You're listening to the Scottish Football Forums podcast, the home of Scottish football banter. Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Scottish Football Forums podcast, season 10, episode 51. I'm John, and tonight joined by Scott from the Footy Blog Net. How are you doing, Scott? I'm good, thank you. Yeah. You've been regular. <laughs> that's what, that's a new thing now. You're regular. Yeah. Just, but we need to we need to give you your other your other title as well. Yeah, that's fine. That's uh, always gets my name out there. That's fine. Keeps the promotion up anyway. That's it. Um, so yes, this week um, again we're going to try something a wee bit different, see how it goes. Uh, but we'll cover the weekend action because last week we ended up going on for ages about side football, which ended up being an absolute pleasure it was delightful um, to talk about something a bit different reminisce a wee bit as well and yeah we got good interaction as well from listeners and associates and different things like that so um, it's Australia Day today um, so good day um, good day and, yeah um, you can't see this but I've got an wee Australia top on from the 2010 World Cup it will be because uh, I actually seen, seen the World Cup final in Australia and happened to meet Tim Cahill on my journey back from Australia. Um, he was with his family, so it's one of those awkward ones, you know, that way you can see a football and you're like, hey, you don't want to really go and interrupt him and try and get a photo because we wanted a photo. So I managed to kind of wait until we got, I think it was Kuala Lumpur or something like that on the way back and then the kids were sleeping with the mum. He, he went to wander, so we managed to get a wee photo with him. Nice guy, really nice guy, so... They'd obviously get knocked out. Was it Italy that knocked them out of that tournament, I think? Uh, no, that was 2006, and the way to Italy were in 2006, was it not? Aye, I'm trying to think then who would have been knocked them out then. Uh, they might not even buy the group stages, actually. One there. Oh, wait a minute, no. no um, they were in the group, of German, the group of death, Germany, Serbia and Ghana, because I actually watched the, the last day deciders beside each other. So in two separate schemes in the pub and you're trying to track both games so ah, there you go um, that. I should have remembered that I was talking about that all day so aye we'll see how it goes there's been a few series. I thought there maybe been more um, but maybe it was just like a kind of certain time period whereby the Australian national team got quite successful and we started getting a few coming over because um, just now by my reckoning there's only three um, that are in the Premiership um, so I can look at, look at earlier and actually, only one of them is a recent addition, though someone has played in the, the top flight before, Jackson Irvin. Um, so, aye. Good signing for Hibs, Jackson Irvin. Yeah, <clears throat> um, I think it's another one that makes sense for Hibs. Um, that kind of quality player brings someone to attack. Um, and then he'll be with Martin Boyle as well at Hibs, another. Um, good attacker. Um, I think the Australians have really taken to him. Uh, he's already becoming, you know, quite a main part of their their squad. Um, the again, it's understandable. You know, you can see his, his pace, um, and he has got an eye for goal. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, I, I think one of my Kind of things that would maybe be a bit 
sceptical on is just how quickly Jackson Lovren will get back up to speed. You know, he's been out the game for a while. Um, Nine months or something like that. Yeah. In public parks and stuff. So. so, but then it might give him the hunger to prove himself again. And, you know, he had a good career down south. So, um, obviously, before that, he was uh, up here. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a, a smart move when I saw it. Yeah, um, aye. I mean, stamina, he's a box to box kind of midfield or something. You've got different to what Ibs have got already. You've got Godric, who obviously likes to sit. Um, Newell, who's like kind of creative, maybe like an in between midfielder, um, inside midfielder. Marlon, who seems to be kind of not regarded as first choice. He's more of a kind of squad player. allowed um, to talk to a Turkish team, isn't he, for a squad deal, supposedly? Yeah, I don't know if you'd want to do that when it's the current restrictions, because. <clears throat> obviously you don't speak the language I don't I don't imagine he speaks the language um, so yeah that would be a kind of difficult move I would think you never know preconceptions of Turkey um, when it comes to football is never the place that I would really want to choose to go to um, as a player but you know if you know it's experience and if it is only a loan deal then I suppose it's not as bad um, as the kind of case that you had with Michael Stewart um, and Chris Boyd yeah, I don't think they fared too well with their experiences. I don't think they get paid for a while, is it? No, that's, 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 that's an issue, which, yeah, that's what I was to, yeah. and don't get paid. Um, obviously, as well, in the Hibs midfield, what you've got, Scott Allen, who's just returned. Yeah, um, that was great. Whatever um, was wrong. Good to see him back, because there was speculation when he first stopped playing that it was going to be a permanent thing, so I don't, yeah, good I, to see I, him back. I don't know... Um, what was wrong with Scott uh, illness-wise, what, you know, what, what particular illness um, he had or whatever. But as a um, fellow type 1 diabetic, it doesn't really matter what kind of illness it is. It can really impact on your health um, and it will sometimes take a bit longer um, to work things out, um, whether it's um, something to do with one of your organs or, you know, something to do with maybe a cardiovascular, whatever. The, the, your diabetes then takes hold as well and that can be impacted in terms of, of your blood sugars and stuff so it's fantastic to see him back um, Aye, definitely, he's, good, player. good player I think Hibs have done well um, going on um, I think what he said, what Jack Ross has said in terms of making sure he was um, fully ready and they gave him every chance to come back so uh, I'm delighted Yeah, you know what you're going to get with him as well and he's probably in terms of like that ball in the final third, that through ball with the clever wee pass, which yeah, is an it's... ideal thing, an ideal asset to have when you've got the pace of Martin Boyle, whether he's playing out wide or through the middle, it's yeah, it's, it's a good combination. It... And then obviously you've got Nesbitt up top as well. You know, they, they stay in the football, the hardest thing to do is put the ball in the back of the net, but probably just after that, it's getting somebody who can have that key pass in them more often than not, and he certainly has that in his locker. Um, to have the vision and then also the ability to actually follow through with the, the full move to actually then release that pass. You know, as a footballer, I had the vision. I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't pull it off. You know, I, I didn't have the, the ability and the, the skill set. So um, he, a fully fit uh, Scott Allen will just make Kibbs a lot better for the, the next few months of football. Yeah, um, so the Martin Boyle situation, obviously born in Scotland, Aberdeen, of all places, um, and plays for uh, Australia. We kind of got like a swap deal. If there was a swap deal in international football, then we got it, because obviously we've got Lyndon Dykes, 
who was born in Australia but plays for Scotland. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> um, it's a funny one because you look at Martin Boyle, and he could he could easily have done a job for Scotland. Um, it's easy probably saying that in heck with hindsight, but you know, always wondered when they got his Australian call up um, whether or not Scotland would kind of regret it a wee bit. Um, but yeah, I know for a fact um, I've spoken to an Australian journalist about Martin Boyle, and I know for a fact that they rate him, and you know, he's already a, like a fan's favourite kind of thing. So, um, you know, I don't think he regrets his choice for a, a second. Oh, and they've got a good record again to World Cups as well recently. Yeah. I think there's um, a lot of professionalism um, with the Australian national team in terms of you know how they, they work things. So I can imagine it's it's a pleasure for them to turn up for international games. Aye. I was trying to think as well um, on another link. Did Dick Advocate manage Australia at one point? I remember Hiddink was there. Hiddink was there. Um, I don't think he was at the coaching staff, but now you've said that it wouldn't surprise me, but it doesn't try to remember. Graham Arnold just now, who's an ex player. Saying it's in Petersburg. Um, uh, He's now at Feyenoord. He's been Dutch manager once or twice in Rangers as well. Sunderland, uh, I can't really fit it in when he would be. Uh, maybe there wasn't then. Heading was definitely there, which obviously set up, made a big difference. Yeah, well, the first one that I remember um, was Terry Venables, um, way back when, um, after uh, Euro 96. I think that was his kind of first main job. Either that or Crystal No, I think it was that. And then Crystal Palace, because they then had um, a part to play in Craig Boer going to Crystal Palace, I think. So um, that's when I kind of were kind of caught on, and they always had that tough progress. You had to beat the South American yep, yeah. playoff, um, so that was always going to be tough. Um, but from probably late nineties onwards, I've always had really good players. You know, your Mark Brasciano's. Um, I'm trying to say that the ones that haven't uh, we're not going to cover. So Aye, Harry Kills, Mark Brasciano. I guess um, Neil got linked with Rangers, I think, at one point. Yeah. Brett um, Emerton. Brett Emerton, you know, a, a really good player when he was on his day. Uh, you kind of right winger. Um, Tim Cahill, uh, who, uh, who you mentioned, um, yeah. absolutely you know, one of the best hitters of the ball in terms of just judging the right time to jump and win that and score goals with his head is fantastic. Um, so, you know, they, they've had a, a good pedigree for a while now in top-class um, footballers. Yeah, if we talk as well, going back to their World Cup qualifying situation back in 86, Australia and Scotland played each other in the qualifier well, to get to the World Cup. That was... Um, I was only two, so it was a wee bit before my time. Um, I remember but, it on TV. But Scotland at that time, where I, you know, couldn't have really asked for a much better squad um, than the one that we had in '86. Um, you think of somebody like Sunis, um, who had all those glory years with Liverpool, and you know, then went to Syria with Sampdoria. Um, Gordon Strachan was pretty much at his prime. Uh, 
you know, you then had kind of young strikers like Charlie Nicholas in the goal and things like that. So uh, I'd imagine, you know, that time the Australians weren't as kind of professional and up for it. Oh, definitely not. So, um, but, you know, those sort of experiences all kind of build in, build in, you know, your your Uruguays and all the rest of it, and that's why they are now as strong as they are, and they can compete in the, the Asian side of things because they have got used to and they needed to, to step away from the Oceania stuff because they needed more competitive games. Yeah, because remember they beat, was it American Samoa? They beat 36 now. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. So they not get 13 goals. 30. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm trying to remember his name, and it's evading me. Um, Thompson, Archie Thompson. Archie Thompson, yeah. Yeah, so, um, but, yeah, so, but then I'll mention the other one that we've not mentioned yet that's still oh, playing in the league. Oh, there's nobody else. No, no, no. no, no. no. Celtic oh. haven't got a, a goal scoring. And, you know, Tom Rogic is a sublime player. Um, but the question mark of him only lasting an hour has never left him at Celtic. And that's the kind of unfortunate side of things. I still think, you know, I've seen people get kind of slated him recently, uh, but I think he's been one of, if not their best player this season. I know it's not hard, but, you know, when he did come back into the team, he probably saved Neil Lennon his job, I think, at one point. Oh, he just came back for the Aberdeen games and came back for a few and then back out of the team, to be honest, because Turnbull's kind of taken his place. Yeah, uh, I, I think... Player, though. He was obviously linked with a move away earlier in the season to, I think it was Qatar. Yeah. Fell through. There, I think there's, it seems like there's been speculation about Rodgers, like, you know, for about maybe two or three years, and it is probably partly due to, you know, maybe fitness. They've got a lot of players maybe kind of similar positions, but he's the one player I always think, and it, regardless of whether he's... Maybe it's just because of when he plays against Aberdeen... But he always just looks like he's got that wee bit of something different. Plus, he's so awkward to play against because of his physique. Like, yeah. for an attacking midfielder, being six foot two, he's pretty strong, but he's got great um, touch, great weight of pass. Yeah. Um, and then his... you just think when he gets on his left foot, he's probably going to hit the target. He's going to make the keeper um, save his it. Ball control and his awareness in the final third is fantastic. Um, we've talked about, you know, Someone like Tim Cahill in terms of his awareness and positioning. Um, Rogic is different in terms of uh, positioning and not as good in the air, but his awareness as well in that final third as an attacking midfielder is fantastic. Um, and for a, for a, you know, you might people might say you know he only plays 60, 65 minutes, but in fairness, if you're getting a quality performance in the big games for those 60-65 minutes that turn matches, then you kind of let a bit more slide because of that. Um, Especially when you're winning trophies continuously. Well, exactly. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how people remember Rogic once he's gone. Um, because... I, think, I, I can yeah. tell you how I would have been. <laughs> oh, well, uh, yeah, I wonder like, if... I... Celtic fans will maybe refer to him as a cult figure. I'll maybe refer to yeah. him as a different kind of figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would be mainly, um, I would suggest, Celtic and Aberdeen fans that remember him. And I wonder if he'll be a wee bit underappreciated as time goes on, or people might think 
high, more high, but the mate, once that he's not there, they might actually appreciate him a bit more. Um, but the other one um, recently for Celtic, who I was really looking forward to, and thought would tear up the league. Um, oh, Alzani. Alzani, yeah, and yeah. he's just joined. Um, he's in Hall. He was in Holland, I think. So they cancelled that contract. Yeah, was it Utrecht? And yeah. I think he's now gone to a Scandinavian team recently right, okay. today. Um, is it a Norwegian team? Um, let me just double check. Um, it was unfortunate though, because he signed for Celtic and then um, on a two-year loan, didn't he? And then got injured pretty soon after it. Yeah, so he only played twice, I think, for Celtic. Um, and as you say, I think very early on he just got a really bad injury. Um, our house he's sing for, I think. Our house, yeah, so Danish team. Um, but, you know, I remember him at the... Was it the last World Cup? He kind of came on the scene as a, yeah, kind of a teenager yeah. mm-hmm. and looked very good. Pacey... Um, a wee bit like a hazard uh, with a bit more pace, the kind of in between the lines, um, direct, uh, but just uh, obviously injury played a huge part, um, and it's continued unfortunately for him that he's just stole his full career. But it was just a shame for Celtic fans and for himself that he just couldn't get that run of games. Yeah, the other one obviously that stands out for if you're talking about Celtic, Viduka, who again. Superb striker. Okay, maybe the way it ended at Celtic um, wasn't too clever. What, so, so what do we call him? Is it Marco or Mark? Well, I think before he came to Celtic, he was maybe Marco Viduka. So he was Marco, when he came to Celtic, he was, yeah. he was Mark. And Chris then, Zagreb, he was Marco. And, he and then the he was old. in the dressing room at half-time at Inverness. He was getting called a completely different name. Um, but what a striker. Like, that does... You get players that come to Scotland and obviously down south they, they look down on him. Don't think they're that great. And he was he was a type of player that he didn't look as if he was maybe trying that much. But he reminds me a bit. He's a bit like Edward in terms that he didn't need to try much because he had natural ability. Oh, and he knew where the net was. His he, goals record for Celtic was superb. Yeah, he scored thirty goals in thirty-seven league games. And then obviously um, he was down to Leeds and he was cracking at Leeds as well. Leeds fans uh, remember him fondly, certainly. I can't think of many um, players in Scottish football from that era that were as good at holding up the ball as Mark Viduka was. And kind of, you know, if I, I don't think his mind was fully set on Celtic. I think he always kind of had that ambition to go to the Premier League. But if he'd been totally switched on and maybe it was Martin O'Neill rather than... John Barnes that was managing him. Can you imagine how good that partnership with Larson would have been? Oh, unplayable. Flick-ons and turns and you know. Defenders would have been having night. They, they would have had nightmares going to sleep. Headaches my, the day after. They just they probably would just been I don't want to play. In my opinion, in my opinion, it might have lost Larson some goals, but that would have been a better partnership than Larson and Sutton. Just because of his ability to hold up the ball, um, I think he would have been better at um, laying off chances uh, and scored more goals than something I would have thought as well. Yeah, um, something that I was checking as well when I was doing my research. He actually, when he signed for Celtic, he kind of took a bit of a panic and yeah, went back to Australia for a few days. 
Yeah, oh, um, it was, and thankfully was, his family and that ended up saying, "What on earth are you doing? Sort yourself out and get over there." But I think that that was a, a part of it. Was that's when he dropped? It was Mark instead of Marco. Um, but yeah, I remember he, he came. I think he got paraded and and then jetted off quite soon after you know signing the deal. Um, and there was a lot of kind of it's probably. Maybe after Andy Gorham, I remember Andy Gorham, um, he wasn't selected or he left the Scotland camp because of he wasn't in the right frame of mind. So I think after that incident, the Viduka one was the first time that I'd really thought of the kind of mental pressures that came into football. Yeah. You know, the mental health that's probably a lot more prevalent and people talking about it now, which is thankfully a, a great thing. Definitely. Um, and I think um, that is kind of one of the moments where, and you can understand it, you know, he's come from Croatia into Scotland, huge, it was a £4 million deal. Um, I could I go on a walkabout? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know if any if Australian would have fancied uh, <laughs> that is their kind of home. Um, but the, you know, it's you don't think of the pressures that come along with that. Um, it's only uh, as I get older that I understand more the absolute pressure that these young men are under as footballers. And you, 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 at the time when you're the same age as them, you don't really think of it the same way. Yeah. You think you're a wee bit blasé and you think, well, you're getting paid a lot of money to play football. What's your problem? But everybody's different. You know that in life yourself. You know, you, you can feel different as the day changes, as the day passes. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel a lot more sympathy than I did at the time. Um, being a Rangers fan at the time, I was kind of um, happy to kind of um, rub Celtic fans' noses in it, that they signed this player and they wouldn't play for Celtic and all the rest of it, which wasn't the case. Um, but, yeah, a fantastic player. Uh, it just probably... Right player, wrong time, it's for Celtic. Yeah. Well, aye. And then he obviously did well down south. Um, as we say at Leeds. Yeah, it was fantastic at Leeds. Um, the game against Liverpool was the one that stands out. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen um, a lot of defenders in the Premier League of that era talk about just how unmanageable he was. You know, they couldn't get the ball off him, and you know he was the kind of striker that made Leeds tick um, because he would seemingly all, all the time in the world because nobody could get the ball off him, and he would put in passes and let a lot of the kind of nippier players play around him, and it was just a focal point. Yeah, he, he did admit as well that he didn't have a, a bust up in the at half time in the dressing room. Which is why he didn't come back out and play. Him to play. Well, uh, did they not get on the bus? Did, did, he got that, the bus? <laughs> did I not hear a story that he just picked up his boots, walked out of Celtic Park, and jumped on a bus? But then that could be method legends for me. But I can't. I cannot see. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would. Have, I don't know. I would assume he had a car. Yeah, I don't think he would know. Probably a very fancy car. I don't think he would know the Glasgow. The Glasgow Transport well enough to know to get on the number. Four up these co-brides or whatever it's going to be going to. Yeah, I wouldn't even know to get that number on a bus. <laughs> I'm from Scotland, so um, um, 
one for Bruno, interestingly... as you would have watched the train station anyway to get to do that. So. Interestingly, do you know what he's up to now? He's a barista. Yes, in uh, Zagreb. Yeah. So he's got his own coffee shop. Retired quite early, 33. So. It just walked off, just, you know, that was it. it. It was a bit like Duncan Ferguson at Everton. It was just, there was no kind of um, announcement or anything. It was kind of, that was his final game. And then basically that was him. He went away and didn't really court publicity or anything else. He was just, and he, you know, this is we're talking about Australia's captain and uh, one of the best Premier League players of that era. And just, that was it. He, he, he was finished. Um, Interestingly, though, we were talking about you know Inverness and how he started off at Celtic. But Alan Shearer said, out of him and Michael Owen, they were both kind of injured leading up to the Aston Villa game. Eventually, saw them relegated. But unlike um, Owen, I think this was Viduka's last game. But unlike Owen, he said Viduka was always willing to play um, injured. So. He obviously did have a bit of heart and determination and passion about him. Yeah, definitely. Um, other guys across the other side of the city, and they must have played against each other, Craig Moore. Craig Moore. Um, so I know he was a midfielder, I remember, at Rangers when he first came through, I think. He was one of those players who could have easily turned out to be the next Stephen Presley, in the sense that just... He was on the, always seemed to be on the fringes at Rangers. Um, I think he could play anywhere in the back line. And I don't think Watersmith quite knew where to play him. And you obviously had Richard Goff, Alan Al McLaren, John Brown, uh, Larry Zamarusso came in, um, Gordon Petrich and stuff. So he, he, and he was a young kid. Um, so it was obviously quite hard for him. And, um, I think it was only until Dick Advocate arrived. And remember, he went to Palace, and Palace then didn't pay his fee, so he came back to Rangers. Um, I think it was Dick Advocate. I remember, because I was at one of the game, the first game of the season. I can't remember. I think it was, it was Advocate's second season, and they were playing Kilmarnock. And it was like half-time, and he just started... Um, Advocate grabbed Moore and just started shaking him. And it, it literally is as if it woke Moore up, his career up, because from then on in, he was a fairly consistent, hugely influential defender for Rangers from that kind of moment onwards. Um, and really uh, a hard player as well. I think it was um, recently I read um, Henrik Larsson talking about that was probably his toughest opponent, like the hardest opponent he had in Scotland was Craig Moore. It just leave everything in the challenge. Um, so you make tackles. Oh, yeah, it, it, a bit of pace about him. Um, and I think he, he, he was very passionate about Rangers, and you could tell that. Um, and he probably deserved to stay longer. Um, the good, good bit of pace. Like to get into a tackle, was hard in the tackle, but I think usually it was fair. Um, but he's probably the best Australian that's played for Rangers, uh, certainly in my time. That I can remember. Uh, well, there's three that we can, I can think of if we talk about uncompromising. Craig Moore looks like a pussycat compared to Kevin Muscat, who was basically the bad boy of football in the UK, probably. Um, certainly was a Millwall. 
he yeah he loved tackling he he has one of those you say he would tackle his granny yeah you, he would half play tackle his granny well the, the difference is i would say both him and um craig Moore were hard tackles and stuff like that i think the difference the main difference is um kevin muscat is reckless um lost his head and we just launch himself into a tackle, even though he was never ever going to win it. And he'd be high, he'd leave studs and knees and stuff like that. Did you ever see his last tackle he made? Was it in the A League? Um, it was absolutely horrendous. Uh, I'll I'll find it for you, and I'll, I'll uh, send you on uh, WhatsApp or whatever. But. It was one of the worst challenges you'll ever see. Um, Starting a, a, a huge fight and all the rest of it. Um, so because of that kind of reputation to come up with Millwall, and how he kind of started off at Rangers, McLeish just didn't put him in for a role firm game because he knew he'd be 10 men for pretty much most of the game because he couldn't trust Muscat not to get himself sent off. Yep. Um, and I think... Muscat was one of those Rangers signings at that time uh, that was probably when Rangers started bringing in championship players from England. So you're going from your kind of Arthur Newmans to Kevin Muscat's, and uh, he probably suffered a wee bit because of that as well, because Rangers had been blessed with um, you know your kind of. Arthur Newman's, your Sergio Perini's, you know, your kind of European class fullbacks to then somebody who would, be, you know, you'd look at and would probably give you the all probably too much so at times, but just didn't have the same um, ability. Yeah, I think as well, at that point, obviously they had Rickson, but Rickson had been even moved to midfield yet, or was he still playing at right back? He started, yeah, there was McLeish that kind of started moving him into midfield, so he probably had... Um, I think whether it would be that season. Maybe Rickson won the player of the year. So Rickson won player of the year when he was captain, so probably the last time McLeish won the trophy, won the league. Um, so I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but if you I mean if you're comparing Rickson to Muscat, you could you could easily trust Rickson more than Muscat, and that's said a lot. You know, that shows you how kind of reckless and um, uncompromising Muscat was at times. Yeah, um, and then on the other side, at left back, sometimes played right back as well. Tony Widmar, good solid pro. Yeah, uh, maybe a wee bit underappreciated at times. I think so. I think um, you look at Tony Vidmar playing against Parma and he was probably one of, if not the man of the match, and he was definitely up there. Um, always dependable. would get forward. Unlucky um, that he had Arthur Newman in the team. Yep. Uh, so that would probably have been, he's, I would imagine his preferred position was left back. Um, but he had to settle for kind of spontaneous appearances or playing at right back. Um, I think he maybe even played at centre back on, on occasion, but yeah, a, t- a terrific professional footballer in the sense that he just would do as he's told. Um, very 
sound defensively and as I say, like getting forward. Uh, and that that game against Parma is a, is a standout one for me. Yeah, I think I think he was pretty well liked as well. I think folk they did like him, but he just, as you say, had the situation whereby he wasn't ever going to be a, a regular on the team, so he had to move on. I've sent you that in WhatsApp if you want Aye. a quick, quick look at that and I'll you can be, get I'll your be, reaction. Have a look later, I might be S-rated if it's a Muscat tackle, um, to be <laughs> fair. Um, we asked a few opinions about folk um, and Australian players that they may be remembered. My brother-in-law, come on, fan, Danny Invincible. Uh, great name. I think that is the <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I think being else, the name Danny Invincible um, goes down as just one of the best names for Scottish football. Uh, but I, I thought he was again a wee bit underappreciated in terms of I think he had a really good work ethic, um, played the lines well um, in attack. Um, I, I always thought he gave a solid performance. Anytime I saw Danny Invincible, he gave a, a good account of himself. Yeah, no, I thought he was going to decent enough. Um, I'll be honest, I don't remember the other one. Um, that Kilmarnock fans mentioned, which is, was it the boy Wilson? Lindsay Wilson? No. 2006, played 13 games. He's, I just cannot no. pitch him at all. No, I, I can't think of, um, of Lindsay Wilson. So, uh, it was a loan, a loan spell, but I just... No, totally passed me by. Him at all, so... Uh, apologies for that, but I think even Kilmarnock fans didn't really, most of them didn't really remember him, so uh, I don't feel so bad with that one. Um, others that maybe are kind of noticeable or notable, Ryan Edwards recently, uh, Partick Thistle, he was particularly good, I would have said. Moved to Hearts, the Hearts move just didn't work out. Yeah, um, it's a funny one because I think, um, if I remember correctly, Craig Levine was kind of crowing about that signing. Um, and it just didn't work out at all. Um, but yeah, I, he seemed to do a job for Partick Thistle. Um, I think there was a kind of debate on what position he was. But I think by the end, from what I remember, the Partick Thistle fans weren't too bothered by him leaving either. So I think that kind of tells you that maybe um, he just wasn't consistent enough. Yep. Because yep. you always, I always look at. Um, when a, 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 somebody signs a player, I always look at the opposition, like the, the person who, whose club they've lost that player. And if it's meh, then you kind of think, well, that's not going to be really a worthwhile. If they're really angry about it, it's like Celtic fans with Brendan Rodgers are really, really upset and angry about it, then you can say, well, that's because they're losing somebody they don't want to lose. Or if they're really... Um, if they if they wish the person luck, then you know that that person's done a lot of good for them and it just came to a natural kind of progression. Like, for instance, Brian Loudrop or Henrik Larson, you know, they'd given them their, a lot of their career to those two clubs at that moment in time. Um, you know, I think of, of quite a few Hearts players as well that they thought, right, well, you did as proud, now go and do your thing somewhere else. So if a club support are a bit Oh well, good luck. But or but not even good luck. It was more a case of oh, well, I don't think he's going to do well at Hearts and stuff. And it proved to be correct. You know, and you, you can see a lot of how a player's going to do at a club by the reaction of the t- the selling clubs fans. Yeah, um, Hearts have had a few Australians in the last maybe 
what, 15, 20 years. Um, Chris Norbo, defender, pretty for solid. Gorbett, for Gorbett, uh, Chris Norbo, yeah, I liked yeah. Chris Norbo. He uh, went to Leicester City, didn't he? Um, I think he commanding, um, but also I thought he was, it was quite decent um, with the ball at his feet, if I remember it. He was... I'm trying to think if it, he was one of those at times he would they would chuck him up front. Yeah, well, probably. I, I, I never totally understand that method of madness, but um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. It was that kind of physicality that managers seem to to love in a, a repression situation, which surely that's what your strikers are there for. Yeah, um, I don't remember Dylan McGowan, but I remember <laughs> Ryan McGowan. I don't think I don't think Dylan McGowan. Got a lot of first team football from what I remember. Um, I remember the hearing the name and knowing that his brother was kicking about, but I don't remember really ever catching much note of him. Uh, Ryan McGowan, uh, one of um, one of those players that probably should have done better once he left Hearts because I thought he was a really good player at Hearts, um, and I don't know quite why it didn't turn out for him. I think. I, uh, I, kind of, I res- really respected his determination to turn down the Rangers move. I think that was the best career move for him, was to turn down the Rangers move. But um, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to have worked elsewhere either. Is, he went to think, China. Yeah, he went uh, to China. And he, he's, still playing, he's still playing for Australia. He's, um, he, I think he's play, is he playing the A-League just now. Um so I mean I don't think his his um, career's like down the pan or anything. I just uh, you know he went to Dundee United for a spell as well, didn't he? Um, I just thought you know he could have been a player that would have turned up in the Championship or even maybe a lower league uh, Premier League team. He's a player though we well remembered though because obviously he scored against Sibs in the 2012 Scottish Cup final. So yeah, um, that gives you. And, and I think, but from that era, he's the one of the names that do stand out to me as ones that I remember. And, um, I always thought he was very capable, um, and uh, you know, he was a player that I thought would go a wee bit higher than what he did. Um, good John, my colleague, or our colleague, I should say, mentioned obviously Drillick that was at Aberdeen, um, scored a goal against Celtic that ended their 77 game on beaten run, didn't particularly do much else. Um, but he did do that. Did he play? Did he play in Scandinavia or Belgium or something before moving? Yeah, I was to... trying to think. And because I, I remember when you signed him, Germany, I think maybe in the Germany. lower leagues. Um, a bit of a journeyman of sorts, I would say. So he played yeah. at Walsall before he joined Aberdeen, but yeah, he played for some lower league German teams. So I just remember. Maybe it was, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think I fell into to the the trap um, of before he came to Aberdeen, he had a good goal scoring record with the Australian national team. But I think I fell into the trap of He's probably playing that bloody small game. <laughs> yeah, of, of the kind of Cook Islands and all the rest of it. I yeah. think he's. So, well, his record for Australia is brilliant. He's got 20 goals in 30 appearances. Like, so I think, and he, I played think, beat, he played beat soccer for Australia as well, so there you go. So I think I remember at the time, because it was just becoming a bit more popular, seeing that goal scoring record and thinking, oh, but then Aberdeen have turned up a player here. Uh, but 
I just really remember that Celtic goal. And, you know, that's about it. It just never really... It was a bit like Harold Bratback, and I thought it was going to be a lot better than it actually was. Aye, well, yeah. Um, There are others, but one that we've actually not mentioned, and he's played in one of the most famous days in Scottish football for the last 20 years or so, Scott McDonald. Yeah. Um, Scott McDonald probably has the unique... um, the uniqueness about him that Celtic fans enjoyed him playing for Celtic. You know, he, he scored ch- important Champions League goals and won, helped win titles for them. But he also got a f- kind of free pass for Rangers fans because of Helicopter Sunday um, yep. and that kind of double that lost Celtic the league. Um, the Rangers players all bought Big Macs in celebration because he scored the goals. Um and it's, it's funny because I remember talking to you about uh, Tony Watt and Tony Watt um, being a bit annoyed that so far his career has been defined by that goal against Barcelona. And um, I remember, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but every time basically Scott McDonald's birthday seemed to hit, the SPFL Twitter would always bring up that goal against Celtic. And he, he, went, <laughs> he went in a big mood about it and said, you know, that I scored plenty of goals. Uh, you always yeah, bring that yeah, one up and all the rest yeah. of it. And you're like, just be happy your career's been defined by a moment. You know what I mean? A, a good moment. It's um, you, you score goals, but it's not you that actually defines the moments. And that was a historic day for, for everybody involved. Um, but yeah, oh, Listen, a, a great striker, a great finisher. Um, I liked uh, Scott McDonald's movement, um, especially when the ball fell into the kind of box. He would always see be so and so. Yeah, he always seemed to be in that position at the right time, at the right moment, at the right time, and just you know, I, I, I always admired Scott McDonald. I think um, he was probably one of Celtic's better strikers once Larson had left. Yeah, you can imagine him being, you know, you know how you get the guy at fives that's always nipping in your ear, the whole team, yeah. but he's probably not doing much himself, like, at times, but then yeah. he bloody puts the ball in the net, yeah. that's a bit dawdled. Pop up and score, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah good player. Um, he'd stopped playing for a while as well, but he's back, he's back playing in Australia. Moved back to Australia and he's playing with Brisbane Road, I think. Right, okay, so, because he was Partick... Here wasn't he? Um, was that his last team here? I do not even go to coaching. Ago. I think he went to coaching staff. Like, was at one point. Yeah, I think he was coaching. Um, and then uh, I knew he was going back to Australia. I just didn't know he was playing again. Yeah. Um, Robbie Fowler was his manager. There you go. I thought he got sacked. Um, it maybe that's it's maybe just Wikipedia no matter updated, you know what I mean? Should you get all your information for Wikipedia? That's good for football though, generally. If I get information for I um but no an instinctive goal scorer. Um and you know, he proved proved that like Dundee United when he you know, as a veteran, he still knew where the back of the net was and so very clever um, striker. I think those would probably be all the main ones that I can think. 
I'm mean, also, well, let's say Ron did mention Rocky Visconti, who also played for Hearts, great name, but Ryan yeah, McGowan yeah. was the standout amongst Hearts fans. I think we and should be Chris, with... he, he was basically just trying to get a lot of Celtic fans to post videos of their audit goal in the 2017 final. So, yeah, he's We've kind of touched on, but not mentioned Lyndon Dykes, because um, I suppose we should acknowledge that he was certainly born in Australia and probably is more Australian than Scottish. Um, but thankfully, he now plays for us because he was a big catalyst, I think, for uh, getting to Euro 2020. Well, absolutely, yeah. And there's a young guy that's trying to make his, his a similar uh, way as well at Queen's Park. Uh, Will Bainham, striker. So we'll see if he's as successful. Um, leads us nicely into the League Cup semi-finals because there is one other guy, Lovell, who yes, was Stuart the Lovell, captain yeah. of Livingston when they won the League Cup. Stuart Lovell, I always thought was better as a kind of PR man off the pitch than he was. I don't remember him being particularly noteworthy on the pitch. I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I just remember him being like a packet of ready salted crisps. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those that was kind of consistent, but doesn't actually do. There's no flair. There's no. He's quite a crafter, though, isn't he? He's your workhorse. Probably that's what I'm saying. Is you do a hundred percent, but he just kind of goes under the radar because of that. You know, he do some of the the kind of neat passes and the kind of getting the ball and stuff like that. But you wouldn't. Um, you know, when you think Australian players, you think you're Mark Vidicus, um, you think Craig Moore's players that would kind of change games in different ways. Um, but yeah, no, it's Joe Lovell. Um, I think it was at Hibs and Livingston, so um, two teams that were in the semi-finals. Yeah, moved into Punditry as well. I don't know if he's still doing Punditry anywhere. Maybe Satanta in an island, I don't know. He was all right. Actually, thought. Well, again, I think he was a bit, a bit more ready salty than, you know, certainly ready salty when you compare him to like Ali McCoyst and Chris Sutton as pundits, which people, you know, could be. That's well, exactly, they can think that, you know, love or hate. Uh, so I suppose sometimes just being ready salty is all right. Yeah. We end up on the on the topic of crisps. That maybe be on for another time, but. Uh... That. The, the World Cup of uh, what I just thought of recently, just because we we're talking about Levy and Hibs, Mark Mulligan played at Hibs for a while. Yeah, and after a bit kind of <laughs> solid in midfield, though he did end up playing at centre back for a while for him as well. Um, but it's just when I was trying to like think of recent ones, I can't think of that many recent ones, like recent, no. recent, but he's one certainly. So, but we'll move on. Will there be someone? From Lovington lifting the the league cup, or will it be St. Johnson? I don't I don't know. Um, at the moment, I would say Livingston, um, but you know, cup finals totally you know one an occasion that any team can get kind of spring a, a victory. Um, I think it's interesting. It's two teams that have changed kind of managerial directions recently. Um, I think uh, Callum Davidson has had a tough job at St Johnston and, and 
that he has to implement his own style after Tommy Wright being there for, for so long. And I think he's done a really good job in doing it because he's not rushed it. He's not kind of went um, full on with it. Um, but he's slowly, surely, I think, getting what he wants. Um, and I think that's um, been pivotal in the cup run. Um, he's honest as well, is Callum Davidson, because we were talking to them after the game and Jack Ross had mentioned about how the fact, oh, uh, you've been out, un, outdone by set pieces and stuff like that. And Jack Ross said, I work, we're actually pretty good at set pieces, defending set pieces. So then later on, they're kind of talking to Davidson. And I'm like, I so my Callum, I take it that was your kind of big plan, get rid of set pieces. He was like, no. <laughs> they didn't think it would be, that would be particularly where they would kind of uh, hurt them. But yeah, he was honest. But it's, it's interesting, I think, what I got looking at the goals and how the Hibs conceded the goals or how St Johnson scored the goals was that St Johnson just wanted it more. And in a semi-final, that's what it boils down to sometimes, I think. It's probably a case that Jack Ross and Callum Davidson are both right. Callum Davidson's probably not overthought it. And Jack Ross is probably right and the Hibs aren't susceptible uh, set pieces as much as what you would think if losing the way they did but at that moment in time Hibs just didn't seem to be able to defend to the same you know I, I think you know was it the first goal um, and this Johnson Poole just towered over the Hibs defence and it was just more sheer um, effort and just wanting to get there first and that's what that's what I took away from it. Not that St. Johnson, eh, that Hibs defended it pretty poorly. It was more that St. Johnson just wanted it more. Yes. Um, they were the help by the chances that Jimmy Murphy in particular had in the first half. Um, I guess that sometimes... That's got, sometimes... He's got to score. Well, yeah, yeah, he has to score. He's too clever with the rebound in terms of flicking it up. Um, it hits the bar. If he just puts that in the net, probably a completely different game. However, that's sometimes the luck that you need. Yeah, that's the, that's the luck that winning team needs. Um, and it deserted Hibs uh, on the day, but St. Johnston made the most of that. And then Rooney scored a goal, set up a goal, absolutely buzzing at the end of it, obviously because he's going to be in a, a, a cup final. So that's maybe your scenario about desire and wanting to be in the final more. That maybe kind of showed with how kind of happy he was. Not saying you're happy, but he just looked like that kind of boy living his dream. I think, you know, as I, as I say, I think some of the players, particularly St Johnston, looked at it and thought to themselves quite rightly, there's no old firm here, there's no, you know, this this is for anybody's for the, for the winning. Yep. And I think Hibs might have been, um, because they were favourites, might have taken their eye off the ball slightly and, you know, uh, that, that, that's what you want to see. You want to see players buzzing afterwards because they've reached the cup final and they know they've now got a legitimate chance of winning it and it's not a kind of handicap chance if they're playing one of the Glasgow teams. Yeah, and loving uh, St John's have never won the League Cup. Yeah, well, and they've, they've still not won it yet. Um, I think Livingston are probably favourites just now. Um, and, you know, it's going to take another uh, big effort for St John's if they're going to win it. But there's nothing to say that they can't do that again because, you know, if they are supremely up for it as they were uh, against Hibs, then 
They're going to make a, a great game of it, I would suggest. I think it should be a good cup final. I think it'll be entertaining. By that point, though, Martindale will be still unbeaten. I mean, probably get your money on Livingston for the league that season. Because he just does not know how to lose. This manager. Um, I could make a kind of pithy comment about um, some sort of underhanded way of doing things and all the rest of it. But to be perfectly honest, it, it deserves a bit of credit um, for what's happened. You know, the, the turnaround, the players have certainly bought into whatever he's um, telling them. Um, they're working their socks off. You know, I've seen them more so against Celtic in terms of how they were pressing and how they were fighting for every ball. Um and then to, to take that into the League Cup semi-final, um, I don't think it was a particularly joyous game to watch. I think it was quite 50-50 in most aspects. Um, you check the stats, I think they had the same amount of shots, same amount of shots on target. There was like a 5% swing um, in terms of possession. It was KG. Um, so it, it, it was one of those games... Um, that, Whoever scored is probably going to win, and that's how it turned out. It's one of those, you know, next goal win type of scenarios, and Levy got it quite early on. And yeah. Robinson's been really in this period of 11 games um, unbeaten, um, and hat tip to the Levy um, social media team for their 10 in a row tweet after their oh, result against Celtic. Yeah. Um, but the he is Robinson's been. One of those kind of integral parts of it. Um, he's played the Scott McDonald role. He's been a pest. Yeah, he's, he's goals. It's um, it's it's that way of just again battling away. Bat- he, he was battling away for his chances and he's taken them. And all credit to him for that. I would agree too much in the podcast last week. I hope <laughs> enjoyed it last week because we were we were falling out about attacking football and six aside and you playing your auntie anti-football um, so I the final people... point though St Mirren should have had a penalty um, it's... it was a, a kind of crucial crucial moment in the game but the, to be honest I feel for St Mirren I know a lot of uh, St Mirren fans and they are a good bunch of supporters um, Tony Fitzpatrick I've got all the time in the world for Tony Fitzpatrick um, but I prefer those kind of moments than bringing in VAR um, and waste a lot of time and a lot of money on VAR. These things happen. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to trot out the old. Um, it, it kind of settles out over the over a season because you know you're not in the cup final and you yeah. look at that and all the rest of it. But you know, it's just one of those one of those scenarios that you know you know it's going to happen at some point during the season. It just unfortunately happened at a big biggest moment for them. Um, but I think all four teams have been impressed with this season um, at various times. I think St Johnston and St Mirren particularly still need to do a lot of work in the league. Um, they can't. I don't think they can say that it's settled. Um, but I think they've shown both of them have shown real signs of improvement as the season's panned out. Yeah. So are you saying Livingston's going to win the final? If they played it tomorrow, then yes. Um, 
but I, I, I do not discount St Johnston's desire. So it all kind of depends on what happens um, on the day itself. Yeah. What um, do you think? I mean, you would, I would say certainly at the moment, Lovington favourites, but. Aye. Maybe the story is that Livingston stay unbeaten until Red and St. Johnson break the run and win the, win the tournament. Yep. Get it for the first time. So, aye. That, that's my story. We'll, we'll paint that story. We'll see or that maybe Martindale is the, the, the manager and that's his redemption complete, his rehabilitation complete by lifting a bit of silverware on his Great story. first uh, attempt. Yep, rehabilitation it's, it's key got to give folk second chances and stuff like that and he's been given the go ahead today obviously to continue as manager which I is good I don't know what I, I don't know why it had to be such a long process and I, I, I say it for this reason the SFA could only have came up with that one conclusion like they let him work as an assistant so yeah so they've let him work for an assistant for a few years he's been working in the coaching uh, staff for longer than that and one of your squad members for the Scottish national team is a convicted criminal so it can't be one rule for one person and then another rule for another person you, you either do or you don't um, so I just I, I, didn't, I didn't see a need for the process to be as long as it was I, I, I think these fit and proper tests aren't actually fit and proper themselves or, you know, there'd be a whole load of owners that would probably wouldn't be passed, they get passed so I think um, They're slow off the mark them as well like, yeah, it, if they're going to have these tests then have them before the situation occurs Yeah, and if well, if he's able if he's able to get his coaching badges via Ireland and stuff like that and improve himself um, at various levels at Livingston, then you know it should have been just a, a kind of rubber, just stamping it, stamping it, and just going right. Okay, yeah, that's it done. I, 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 it was just too long for my opinion. Certainly. Um, so we're in January. We're only what a few days away from the transfer window, and there's no much been getting done. Um, however, the last week or so, there's been speculation, a bit more speculation, and then today, the big. One obviously Frimpon, which came out to blow a wee bit. Um, looks like he's potentially going to Leverkusen for ten million or something like that. Which he's not had a particularly great season, I don't think. So if if it is the case, oh, I do agree in this that Celtic are getting a pretty good deal if it goes through. The the worrying thing, worry the 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 worrying thing I would suggest. Is um, that it's not a good look for Celtic in terms of selling during this particular transfer window, and they're trailing so far behind Rangers. Um, it almost, to me anyway, looks as if they're trying to get some money in the door quite quickly on the basis that they're going to have. Um, a longer campaign next season with the Champions League um, in terms of the Rangers because um, in, in the assumption that Rangers win the league um, and that the possibility that they're going to have to fund a new manager um, 
You've got the flip so, side of it though. Maybe it's a bit of forward planning because they think, well, we're no one in the league. Let's get the money in early, and then we can reinvest in the sum we've got. Time but to Frimpong, reinvest. But Frimpong for me is always was always a player that's going to be more for the future. I, I think um, while he's not set the header like this season, I would blame circumstances more than just him. Um, I think he's not been helped with the fact that Celtic have had a terrible defence um, and New Lennon hasn't um, solved any real defensive issues at Celtic. Um, and I think within two seasons at Bayern Leverkusen, he could be off somewhere else for a huge fee. 10 million, is it 10 million euros? I heard it's, I've heard it's something like 10 million euros. I've heard it's 11.5 million euros. A, a euros I've heard, are anyway these days. I've heard 15 million. You also then have to take into account that uh, Man City will have a slice of that. I mean, then Celtic will probably have a sell-on clause for if Leverkusen sell them on. So, yeah, so, so, Celtic fans so then, aren't complaining, which probably says it a lot. I think last year, if you said Frimpond away, you wouldn't have been too happy. I think that season they're kind of like, well... But, but is that a false position? Like that is that a false position because the whole squad has played particularly poorly? Could be that, it, and there could be the losses that clubs are making because of COVID. But the, the, my other issue is that Frimpong, or Celtic are selling Frimpong just now, right? On the basis that he's off, I think... Come the summer, Ayer, Nietzscheam, and Edward lobby off as well. If not, be a few, aye. If be not more before that. now. So I, I just think it's a, I, I think it's almost a panic. Um, get the money in, um, or or it's maybe the, himself if, if the old Lennon um, is to be relieved that he wanted to go, and that's not a good look either. Um, so uh, it was it was a surprising one. Um, well, I think folk thought it was El Hamed that would be away because mind there'd been a speculation he was heading back to Israel. So yeah, he was homesick and stuff. But they need to surely they need to bring in another right back. And uh, so you know it's unless they're planning for the uh, old three at the back and James Forrest playing right wing back when he comes back from injury. Well, I, I don't know if uh, they'll go back to three at the back. I think. Uh, that has not proven to be a success, and I, I don't know if Neil Lennon's got the balls to go back to. Um, the other one's Josh Reed, who he was linked with move to Coventry. It looked like he was going to come back on loan to Ross County for the rest of the season, and now it looks like he's going to sign for Coventry. And that'll be him. He'll not be coming back on loan because they are shorter players at left back. So he obviously just broke through this season. Looks a good prospect. Um, <clears throat> Really enjoyed uh, anything that I saw, Josh Reed. Um, I could totally get why a team down south would be looking to snap him up, and it's just um, it would be unfortunate if he can't get a loan back up here um, for Ross County. But I don't think um, I, I don't think he'll um, be hampered or stalled by it. I think he's a player that's on the up and up. Yeah, hopefully he goes down there and makes an impact, can get games. Um... He is young. He's also just broken through this season. We'll see what happens. Um, Kilmarnock have signed George Oakley today. Striker. Um, 
I've just I've never seen him being, you know, is he better than Eamon Brophy? Is do you know what I mean? It's a kind of he had an all-right wee spell at Hamilton at one point, didn't he? He was okay. Yeah, but surely you should be aiming for better than that. I thought from what I was hearing that you know, Kelly were going to bring in somebody that would you know, improve their squad greatly, and I don't think that's what that transfer does. Aye. Well, I suppose we'll wait and see what happens with them. And then there's a speculation about Scott Wright, pre-contract to Rangers... And it's, so that's it's going signed, through, it's all yeah, going through, so signed, sealed, delivered. Um, the only debate might be whether Rangers try and get him in earlier. I believe I've said no, it's not happening. So because there was some talk about whether the whole McCrory situation, maybe it could uh, not be a bit off the fee or whatever, and let him go just now. There was talk as well of players going to Aberdeen. I wasn't really I in favour of any of the, the players. Yeah. Craig Stewart's been there before, bought a t-shirt, didn't work. Jordan Jones, no, definitely not. Brandon Barker, never been particularly impressed by him. No. Uh, he's maybe already as a kind of squad player at teams, but not as a first choice. But disappointed, well, with Scott Wright. However, I, this is his first time this season he's looked like he's he's got that a wee bit about him. A lot of it's been helped by the fact of Hedges um, and how good he's been. He could go to Rangers and do well. I think he's just going to Rangers to fill the role that the likes of Barker, Stuart, Jones fill and be a, a bit part player. I think Is there any options I, Rangers have? I think um, looking at it, I don't see a rush for Rangers to sign him permanently um, this transfer window. Um, in terms of so far ahead, the league... Um, I don't think it's a position that they're particularly weak in. Um, and I don't think he offers a huge step up to what they've already got. I think for Aberdeen, I could totally understand why they wouldn't want any of the players that you'd mentioned, because um, that's going to increase their wage bill. For whatever Scott writes on, that's going to increase their wage bill. Out of the ball, I think Jordan Jones would have actually been a not bad signing, but can you trust them off the pitch? And you, you know, it's a, it's a thing with, um, does he want to go to Aberdeen? Um, that's not a disrespect to Aberdeen, but it's more a case of he's played at Kilmarnock. He's then went to Rangers. He probably, I would suggest, went to go down south eh, after that. Um, so I, it, 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 it Makes sense for Rangers to sign him in the summer because I think they will try and offload the players that we've mentioned already, and he's one that comes into the homegrown category. Um, yeah, they but don't I don't think I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll be a, a regular starter. No, unless um, and let's maybe they see something in him in terms of a bit of growth. They think he's got. That bit about me. He has been all right at times this season. I think I think he's, he's a, a, a That's I why he's, he's not been offered a contract at Aberdeen before. Now um, he was obviously out for a long time, and it's only as I say that season he started to look like right. He could be a, a real potential player. Anything I've seen in this season, he's done well. He's 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 been decent, but as you say, he's he's just not been consistently on the park um, enough. He's the one uh, shooting. Um, that's been a a bane. 
it's, it's, it's a, a bit, bit of season. There's a chance like, he gets into and not finishing them, but I think it's a wee bit like the kind of hasty deal. I think it's a kind of bring him in, let him see how he gets on. But he's more there for the homegrown quota, and then probably drop him after a year or two somewhere else. But I hope I'm wrong. I hope for for his sake and for Scottish football, he becomes a great player and plays more than. Um, you know, a, a foreign player, but I, I'm just not um, convinced. I'm not convinced it's a good move. Um, apart from that, I don't think I've seen any errors. Obviously, Hibbs recently signed over in Cardin. Um, aside from that, I've not seen really much else speculation. I no, thought, I think... well, would I maybe have brought someone in by now with Alexander coming in? But... Well, Kelly came in, um, and that's a good signing for them. Um... But, I think that deal was complete before Harlots had come in. Yeah, I think it was done the same day or the day before. Um, I think maybe by the looks of it, they're trying to get a few players out. Maybe just try to kind of um, trim the wage bill maybe before signing somebody else. Um, it was one of their forwards not linked with a move to Cross County. Um, Jordan White, was it? What was he? Well, Ross County will certainly I mean Hughes came in and said he was wanting to get some players in. Um, whether Jordan White's someone that would be of interest, I don't know. Ollie Shaw's been doing pretty well there, I think. Yeah, I think I've, Ross County could do with another wide player. I think uh, uh, creativity. I've always been a fan of Ollie Shaw. Um, I think it's like a, about getting more minutes and built confidence for himself. Um, We'll see, there's still a few days left. So basically, so from what I'm hearing, Ross County are hopeful with Jordan White and then Joe Hilton, um, who is a Blackburn goalkeeper. So that's the kind of. Oh, I guess Duhan went back to Celtic, didn't they? Yeah. Um, they. They did look terrible against Rangers. I don't know. I, I, I know John Hughes was going about how Rangers are the yardstick, and you know Rangers were pressing at certain points and probably went out of um, then reached top gear at most points. But you know, I think Ross County seemed to do all right as well. So um, they had some chances. Had a boss at the bar. Yeah. So I don't think they could be too disconsolate, especially with how things have went since. Uh, Hughes turned up there. Um, the Motherwell Aberdeen game. Defenders uh, showing the attackers how it's done. Yeah, um, a quite um, funny Considine's goal. I kind of liked because he took it so well. And I know he's <laughs> about a, 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 an inch away from the goal, but it's easy just to smash that and yeah, the, but to control it and just tap it in um, or find it low into the, the corner. I quite I, I enjoyed that goal. Um, I think Motherwell are still kind of finding themselves with Alexander in charge. I don't, I, I'm not too worried about Motherwell. I think that they'll be all right that they come the end of it. But um, you want some of our fans still are kind of not too happy. They're like there needs to be changes in terms of players, but whether they'll get a chance to do that this window or not, I don't know. It might not be till the summer. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Maybe they have to. They're still at, for their sake. You hope they're still a Premiership team. I, th- I think. I think as I say, they'll probably try to get rid of a few um, before bringing in some. Um, 
I think Kelly will be a big deal for them. I think that that's a, that was a cracking bit of business. Um, certainly improves their goalkeeping um, position um, than what it was just before Alexander came in. Um, so it's. I, I still think that you know. I, I think the other thing that I would say that's going in their favour is that Devante Cole and. Tony Watt have kind of picked up a wee bit um, in the last month or so as well. So if they get goals in those two players um, or a partnership within those two, they, I still think that they'll be all right. Um, but they have to they have to show that and they have to get points on the board more regularly than not. Here's one for you. Could O'Donnell end up making his way to Celtic? I did. I did wonder that. Um because you was also just, in a short-term contract at Motherwell. I just don't know if Celtic, unless it was maybe buy out the contract, I just don't see Celtic paying to take him for like 18 months. I think Celtic would have preferred to have signed him on a kind of free transfer this, this window for the next six months. Um, uh, my understanding about Donald was he was out of contract at the end of this month. Yeah, he signed a contract to the end of the season. Did he sign a renewal? Yeah, so he, he did he signed a renewal. I must have missed I'm pretty uh, sure he did. But yeah, I typically of Aberdeen. Uh, I've seen most of the games this season, including the kind of recent ones where we've not been so good. I end up, I couldn't see him going on Saturday. Maybe put in one of our better performances. Uh, and certainly helped my Hages coming back. Well, where do you set? We'll just sit again on the... Because uh, there's more members of discontent with Derek McInnes in charge. Um, we'll just sit on that. Get bored with it, to be honest. I, I don't know. Because one week you could be like, aye, maybe we need a fresh start, a change. My opinion is, he's in a, con- he's in a contract to the end of that season, I think. In all likelihood, he will probably leave. That summer, not a summer coming, but a following summer. Usually by now he would uh it's the end of his contract. There's been no word from the board about that. Obviously the whole pandemic thing just now, which is maybe an impact impact on it. But I just get a feeling that will probably be what happens. Um, and aye, there'll be an overhaul of the squad anyway in the summer. There's a fair few players out of contract, so you'll maybe tell this summer whether he is likely to stay beyond it in terms of what backing he gets to bring players in or whether it's a case of um, go with what's there and get uh, more of the youth coming through and playing. So. Just to go just to go back on a point, I think uh, I was a bit premature. I don't think the O'Donnell deal was signed yet, so maybe there is a bit of time for Celtic to kind of swoop in Aye, there. So. It could be a possibility. Um, um, but uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, the accusations will always be... In the time he's been there, we should have won more trophies. I potentially, when you look at maybe other clubs that have won, but then he did come up against Rogers' invincible team, which was tough going. I just been the heartbreak in terms of fight, getting to finals and different things like that. We mentioned obviously the 2017 one and different things like that. And then there's an argument what were you like before then? His overall record is good. Just though there was a point there in the season whereby we were playing attractive football again, things were looking good. I think fans were feeling good again. 
glad to be for football to be back, different things like that. And then Watkins got injured, Wright got injured, a few injuries. We reverted back to type in terms of being quite direct and not as interesting to watch, which is disappointing. So if fans were in just now in the stadium, I think it would be a difficult situation because I think he'd be coming under a wee bit of criticism. Um, and the Ross County errors out. That, that was quite a bizarre one anyway. We yeah. didn't play as bad as what the scoreline suggested. Yeah. Um, our record in the league this year in terms of loot for, See, that's the thing. losing games we've only lost against County and Motherwell outside of Rangers and Celtic but then there's been the draws against the likes of Hamilton and stuff like that so, so that like would that. be that would be the thing that would kind of get my goat the most if I was uh, an Aberdeen supporter is that you look at the table you've, got, you've played a game more than Celtic who are struggling this season yeah, you're still four points behind with them got them got a game in hand. But see where them struggling? Them struggling is still enough to be better than us. No, but with a game in hand, uh with you know, the fact that Celtic have dropped points in nine games, I would have still wanted to have been in and around Celtic a lot closer, if not maybe a point ahead with them getting that game in hand. Um, but you know the budgets are very telling, and obviously Celtic's is huge compared to Aberdeen's. Um, but you know that would be my only kind of concern is that there's been times where Celtic had two or three games in hand, and still been that kind of point difference. It's probably more that Celtic have dropped points recently that it's still only four points. Um, the bigger frustration with a Celtic situation is the fact that we got them at a time where they were on their knees. And then they, they get two decent results against us. The draw, which we should have won the game in the league. And then the, the game in the cup, we just didn't turn up, didn't perform. You're also at risk when it comes to changing a manager. That if it's not broke, don't fix. You know, that's the kind of, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Kind of springs to mind. So the relationship to... with Milne. Milne always talked about the relationship they had. I don't know what the relationship is between Cormac and, and McInnes. You don't remember hear so much of that. So, you know, you, sometimes, you know, you think, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But then the other part, you know, on the other shoulder, you've got some, somebody whispering to you, but could it be better? Could, could a change be, be the best thing? For, for both him and the club, um, yeah. although I think, ironically, looking at it now, um, after he turned down the Rangers job and stuff, I actually think if he was to walk away or if Aberdeen were to go in a different direction, he would be worse off than Aberdeen. I don't see a, a bigger job for him now in the, the horizon. I even thought at the time, I mean, apart from the Rangers job, obviously the Sunderland job came up. The Sunderland job was not one you wanted to go for. No. When you consider the what was going on there. And obviously the Bristol City job when he was down there didn't work out particularly well. They weren't that good financially. He'd probably even struggle to get a championship club just now, I think, down there. Maybe not. Maybe you would get someone in the lower half, but I think he would feel that he's better than that, maybe. He would want a better position. He, he could end I, up at Scotland, maybe after Clark, maybe. But 
so maybe, maybe Clark by the time that summer comes, assuming Euro twenty gets played this summer, Clark might decide right once we've won the Euros, I'll leave in a high, <laughs> um, and then uh, positive like John today. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think I think even more so because of COVID, Clark will stay on until the World Cup. I think he. I think there's a, it's a decent group. And I also think that um, it's closer to Robin because of this. Yeah. We've got this year um, in lieu uh, as such, I think. And then I'm thinking, really, is Jack Ross, is somebody like Darren Fletcher maybe ahead of, of McKimmis in terms of that kind of position? Um, so it, it depends on that becomes available and who's, who is available. You know, David Moyes might be available at that moment in time. He's doing brilliantly well at West Ham just now, but you know how, yes, how quick it can change uh, for David Moyes uh, and West Ham, both I mean, uh, combustible um, when it comes to form and stuff. Um, you know, I, I look at the kind of recent one, Cardiff City, and would I take McInnes over McCarthy? Probably, but do I think a championship owner would take McCarthy over McInnes or McInnes over McCarthy? I doubt it. Yeah. So well, I think you'd probably be looking at League One, uh, lower half championship at best. Because I don't think there's any, there's not any other job in Scotland they would take, I don't think. Well, it wouldn't take, it wouldn't take originally, but it just depends how long he's out of the game. Do you know what I mean? It's. Would I? I mean, Hibs, if Jack Ross was to move on, would he, would Hibs be a, an option? I don't know. I think Hibs would go for a different type of manager. Yeah, I, I suppose it all depends on when Hibs are looking for a manager and what they need from a manager. If it's one of those steady the ship, somebody that knows the Scottish game kind of jobs, then they would look uh, maybe at Derek McInnes. But again, it all depends about when that job becomes available, if he thinks that he can get a job down south, he'll then turn that down. Or if he's been out of a job for two years, he has to get himself back in somewhere. You know, look at John Hughes. He's had that a couple of times where he's came back in because I think he felt he had to because he's been out for a bit. Basically what McKenna needs to do to get the fans back on side is win the Scottish Cup. That's just that one, that one easy. If you do that, that would at least help a bit but I still think yeah my, my, my opinion is he will end up going that summer and the thing is that like a few a couple of seasons ago else for that a lot of fans would be gutted about it I think now they would be like you it's know time thanks thanks something kind of else, thing, yeah. like kind of thing um, I, I do get frustrated at times when I see people being like kind of host Ah, yeah, kind of hostile to him and, uh, as such and stuff like that. I always think, what's the need? For manager, you see it on like social media and replying to like club accounts, thinking, oh, aye, that they're going to reply to them and say say something, but it's just the, the way of the world now, isn't it? With social media. Maybe what will happen is, right, Celtic get rid of Lennon and then Celtic think McInnes was Rangers' first choice before Gerald, so that must mean he's better than Gerald, so they go for McInnes. Aye, then we end up with Lennon. 
there's... It's interesting because <laughs> at one point I would have taken Lennon at Aberdeen. I don't think I would now. I, I did mention last week that concerns about maybe whether Lennon just maybe needs a break from Oh, from I, I think he needs a break. I, I think um, I think Lennon is going to unfortunately for, for the Lennon I think his peak has been and gone as a football manager. Um, and again, uh, I don't think he would get that good a job down south. He obviously had the bone no, situation. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and the way it's turned out at Celtic, the way it turned out at Hibs, I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't see Neil Lennon getting a, a good job down south. Um, and I don't think he would take the Northern Ireland job. Um, I don't know. Um, uh, when did they retire from playing? Did they, they picked up quite a few caps? I think just more so in terms of the, the hassle and maybe potentially Brun. I don't know. Does he have to? Does he have to live in Northern Ireland for that amount of time? Is it still as complicated? Oh, Neil, Neil is not. Was he not still staying in Edinburgh? I think he he was. Yeah, he was still through here. Yeah, so he was still Um, in Scotland. Um, But you know, I I, I can actually see Neil Lennon coming back at Celtic more than getting a a good job elsewhere. Um, Three years down the line, and they come call him again. Okay. Peter Longo's on the phone. Needs a needs a lackey. Um, okay. It's uh, it, it, I feel for Neil Lennon because as we touched on, David, we don't know what people, how people get affected by all this. Um, and I think it's you know there's this talk of a manage of the kind of review of the managerial situation. You like just put. Pull the trigger, do you know what I mean? If you're getting this, get a 10 million off the Frimpong deal, just pull the trigger and put the guy out of his misery. Do you know what I mean? He's not going to walk away, and I totally understand why he's not going to walk away. I think people have to understand this guy. This is his livelihood as well as anything else. And he is a huge Dynavo Hoops fan, you know, he's a huge he's a Brazilian kind of guy as well. He's nobody thinks. He'll, he'll think even now within himself that he can change things and that's what any manager feels about a situation or usually feels about a situation I suppose that all the, the kind of Kevin Keegan reti- uh, resigning after the Germany game as England manager um, they will resign but more often than not they won't and that's why they're managers in the first place because they believe they can do the job um, and even if you give it to somebody part you know, not part time, but if you give somebody for the six months, you know, I'm thinking possibly Gordon Strachan, just off the top of my head, I know Celtic fans won't be over overawed um, by that appointment. Um, give it to somebody for six months and then have a proper look around and see who's available. Frank Lampard, there you go. Frank Lampard's out of job now. I don't think that will happen when it happens. So, I don't think. I don't see, see the next. Full-time manager at Celtic, you, you have to get the Celtic fans on board straight away, and I don't think that would strictly happen with Lampard. Um, and Eddie Howe would? Yes, I think Eddie Howe would get the fans more on side than Lampard. Um, not to say, you know, so that what I'll say about Frank Lampard um, as a cautionary kind of thing is he's not really proved himself too much yet. The thing at Chelsea, they did really well last season with Chelsea and didn't have any transfers and stuff like that. But 
tactically, he never seemed to have a, a huge kind of plan um, beyond what his plan A was. And he was helped with the Chelsea situation because he'd been there for so long. Jody Morris used to be the academy coach, um, so they knew those players beforehand, and that was a huge... To know about Mason Mount, who they had on loan, to know about um, the likes of Tammy Abraham and stuff like that was a huge bonus for them. And that they all, the youngsters all played really well last season, and that helped to then change it around to get a, a, a you know a huge amount of money spent on that team, and to actually um, not progress at all, to actually decline, um, isn't a great look. It's a difficult um, one, that nah, because they were top of the league about a month or so ago. And they've got better defensively this season, but it's just the whole. It's, you, don't get, you don't get time. No, do no, especially not at Chelsea. And the thing at Derby is, he did reasonably well at Derby without being spectacular as well. So. I, I, I would have got the job if he wasn't a, a Chelsea legend. So does, so does that really stand out for Celtic as a potential manager who's we don't really know how, how good he is. Um, the Eddie Howe one, the, the biggest problem I would have with Eddie Howe um, looking at it is he couldn't turn Bournemouth around when they needed him to. And, for instance, if they brought him in just now, would, would that not be... How would he turn that around? It's, it, it's the one, one I, thing I, I would have. How, 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 how would Howe turn that around? Um and we still need to figure that out um, for him as a manager as well because he's not done it elsewhere uh, other than Bournemouth. Um, so, but then, is there a lot out there um, for Celtic to go after? And maybe, again, that's why they haven't, because there isn't. Maybe a conversation for another time, because obviously Lennon's still in a job and we are running... Lower league prediction game ended up in a draw at the weekend. Um, so this week it's going to be your turn to represent us as we look to claw back some kind of point, maybe. Draw is good for us just now. Um, so fixtures at the weekend. Let's see what three shall we go for. Hartston Fairland. Oh man. Um I think we take two one hearts I'll go for. Um Wraith Dundee. That's a tough one. Um Um, one each and then Morton or Broth one no Morton no Morton right okay so two one hearts Desmond in the Wraith Dundee game and then one no Morton is it not? No. Did I say one each for Dundee? Oh, did you? Uh, right, okay, one each. Right, that's fine. Unless there was a Desmond 1-1, I didn't know of it. 
Well, he was the one that came with what to do. It's hard to know that. Next is going to be a Desmond Treaty. So, aye, right, okay. All good. So, we'll see what we can do. But, yeah, it's 73 that I like just now, so we're, we're struggling. Um, with that. But, yeah, I think that probably is a wrap. Uh, even though we could have talked about crisps after you already salted talk earlier. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, the correct, the correct answer is roast beef and mustard brannigans. Um, mm, yeah. Yes. Um, it's always by a kind of analysis on a, a very kind of average, ordinary player is the ready salted. And if you ever want to kind of know the, the, the bang on ready salted footballer, it's Stephen Hughes who used to play for Rangers and Motherwell. That's the kind of really bang one. Aberdeen as well. Aberdeen play is right. maybe um, not the right word. Yeah, he was not particularly great at us. Um, I don't mind. To, I like ready sorted hula hoops. But generally, yeah. I wouldn't pick ready sorted. But exactly, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's something it's I love not, them, You'd be surprised. There's a consistency there. That they're all right. So if there's if it's there, you're not going to say no. I'm not going to get them. But if there's a choice between ready salted and a cheese and onion or roast beef uh, and mustard. mustard or, you know, a onion. buffalo blue cheese, uh, which I had the other, the other day. I got a huge selection of American crisps for my Christmas. See, I'm trying to um, go to I should not have mentioned <laughs> any crisps because I have a thing for ruffles, ham on ruffles yes. that you get when you're on holiday. So yeah. much so that a year or so ago, as part of my Christmas, the missus got me about five bags of them from Spain. Um, and I did, during lockdown, end up buying, I think, another five bags or so, which cost uh, too much for a snack anyway. And I've still got a couple of packets, 200 gram bags as well. Big, massive bags, which obviously should be frustrating. I know fine well if that is getting opened. <laughs> that is getting mean. tore right about it. So, yeah, no shield, they, no they, will, they will stay until I, I get to a, a point that I'm kind of right, okay, let's have a wee When I'm in Italy, are called Fonzies, and they're a bit like Cheetos, but like a kind of white cheddar kind of flavour rather than your kind of bright orange. Uh, and every time I'm in Italy, and I have to get about three back though. Right, okay, I need to look out for them. Um, Smith's Chris and Australia are pretty good, just going back to the theme, because they are very nice and fresh. And that makes me think now, actually, quite often the best crisps, they don't have that big a shelf life on them, so I better check the, the date in there, bad boys, to make sure they don't go out of date. Because imagine my pain and hurt yeah. when I go and see that they are out of date. So I. So you can, so now if if you if they're saved from the date, you can always thank Stephen Hughes because I brought up the ready salted analogy and then Stephen Hughes made you think of your crisps. But definitely, ruffles are the best. I have had some bizarre flavours in holiday. That are, aye. They love a paprika in uh, Europe. Paprika are good. That is a good, good flavour to be fair. Pringles though, it annoys me that you can't go on the Pringles website and just order all the Pringles that you can get all over the world because they have great flavours abroad, whereas we get stuck with. They're ready salted. So, uh, yeah, once, once we're out of lockdown, once we're out of lockdown, so once we're out of lockdown, 
because they won't deliver to you because you you live in the sticks. Um, but they do deliver to me because I'm a normal person. Um, Mental Munchies in Glasgow, they sell all the American kind of crisps. Right. Um, see the barbecue flavoured crisps that they do, like honey barbecue. And oh, no. Jalapeno. I don't know. I don't jalapeno. want sweet or savoury. No, not happening. Right. Jalapeno, yes, I'll take them. Right. So, but um, they have like dill pickle and stuff. They've got a lot of different Pringles. Oh, maybe we could get a wee Mental Munchies sponsorship here. Yeah, that's it. That's what we need. That's exactly what. That's what exactly what us two need, isn't it? <laughs> two slim jims. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I could have probably have a podcast in itself on snacks. I mean, I've well, still I still want to do my program. You were more you were more passionate about um, your crisps than you were Aberdeen and Derek McInnes chat. Well, it is when you're deprived. You're depriving <laughs> yourself. So I'm not be, maybe I need to deprive myself yes. of Aberdeen for a few weeks and then watch them again. And, uh, it'll it'll change my, my outlook, uh, but yeah, thank you again, and uh, thank you. Happy Australia Day if there's any Australians listening. No, well, there won't be Australia Day now. Well, there might be Australians living in Scotland though. But yeah, but unless they listen to it, go back in time or something like that, Marty McFly, <laughs> DeLorean or something like that, I'd be struggling. Right, just Scott. Cheers, thank you. <laughs>